Dave, how are you doing? And before you answer, I am only accepting answers in SBAR format. Do you want the bluff? Yeah, give me the bluff. Give me the bluff. Um, it was an awesome weekend. It was like beautiful, sunny, and like 75 degrees. Beautiful both days. Um, guess what I did all weekend? Uh, sounds like perfect weather for building slide decks. Yeah, yeah, no motorcycle riding for me. I'm like, the heck with this. I got to make an S-bar. And, and so I did, yeah. And uh, so, yes, I, I did that. And uh, But one of the things that I was doing was, you know, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm staring at this S-bar template that you came up with. And it's it seemed like, okay, it's one slide, very succinct and everything. And I needed to... It's basically it's the, the succinct answer of you know it's almost the abstract of the paper right mm -hmm. but you kind of need to write the paper before you do the abstract of course and so um, I'm like okay well how am I going to do that and um, uh, I started using impact mapping and I was I was following uh, from the uh, open practice library the instructions on how to do that. And it actually works. It maps very well to OKRs too. So I'm, I'm going for the trifecta all in one bullet here. So we got S-bar, got a bluff, we got impact mapping and OKRs. Wow. Um, all in one. That's some, yeah. that's some yeah. like 301 level deck. stuff. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. 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 It's just like, I'm, I'm yeah, the Gunnar Pellickson, uh, Academy of, of, uh, S-barring. <laughs> so, <laughs> I get knighted or certified or something. Um, yeah, so that that was my weekend, and uh, and and it was. I, I I gave you a copy of it this morning, and uh, I was humbled uh, to get the high praise from you. Uh, so I was I was uh, really appreciative of that. No, it was no, it was great. Um, and you're right. Like the S bar is the thing that comes at the end of the development of your plan, right? It's not the thing that you start with. It's yes. the thing that you end with. Um, and yeah, it makes perfect sense to use impact mapping to kind of bridge all that stuff together. Um, and so, and I like how you took the impact mapping and connected, as you say, connected it to the OKRs. Uh, I thought that was really exciting. I thought that was really cool. Nice yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, how about you? Did did you, how many S bars did you do over the weekend? Uh, only one. But listen. I, last week, I literally every day I had at least one person come at me. I've never spoken to this person about S bars, and they were showing me S bars. Like I have created a monster, wow. <laughs> like, um, a cult, yeah, like a religious cult. Yeah, exactly. And every single one of them were like, <laughs> they're like, someone told me you like S bars, so I made you one. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> yeah, they didn't know. Why? But yeah, yeah, there you go. exactly. But they all they all reported that uh, it was a very powerful tool for uh, kind of focusing their their proposals and um, you know from all different kind of functional parts of the company. So it was that was cool. It was it's great to see a tool that people are finding so useful. I thought that was great. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also, uh, Dave. I don't know. I don't know about you, but um, I've been sitting here with this app called Free OTP on my phone for a long time. Oh yeah. Yes. And uh, and I noticed I couldn't help but notice that free OTP has not been updated in quite some time. 
And uh, so I had some options in front of me. I think Microsoft has an authenticator, an authenticator, one-time password app. Everybody's got one. Google's got one. Uh, and then, I, and then I thought to myself, self. I thought to myself, I've already got a password manager. Surely, and the password manager has the ability to take in one-time passwords. I should just go ahead and reconsolidate. I should just reprovision all of my one-time password uh, uh, tokens or whatever, and put it in, the, in my password manager. And man. That is a great experience. So now with yep. one password, uh, I just hit the I hit the magic keystroke and it fills in my username and password, and then I hit paste and it pastes in my one-time password, and uh, and I'm off to the races. And bonus, I can actually get the token on my Apple Watch if I need it, which is great. Awesome. Yeah. So does it? Uh, um, so you don't use a YubiKey? No, 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 no. I I, I, have, I have enough things to lose in my life. I'm not using a UBK. Oh no, you leave it, leave it, leave it in the uh, USB port, and you're done with it. Oh um, no, I don't have USB straight. port. No, I. Well, you'll remember that I don't. I don't have a laptop in my life right now. I. Uh, I have. Oh a, right. Uh, yeah, I have true. a. I have the Mac desktop, and then I've got. Uh, and then I've got a tablet that I roll with. So I'm okay. out of. I'm out of. Okay. And. Uh, yeah, and also USB ports are precious. All right. Yes. Yeah. So, true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's and, cool. And, yeah. And does sure. it? It backs up. I presume it backs up the. Um, does it allow you to have multiple? Like it's it's on your tablet. It's on your. Um, it's on your uh, uh, desktop. All that or yeah. Or well, to... this is the this is the beauty part yeah. is that uh, because one password has its own internal uh, syncing mechanism. Um, it looks like one mm-hmm. token for the. I'm sure I'm violating some policy or other by doing this, but um, uh, because it's one token for the purposes of whoever's provisioned it it just it gets expressed through tablet watch phone desktop whatever mm-hmm. um and because it's totp yes. it works so yes if it's if it's hotp it won't work i think that that's true yeah that's right yeah yes because um so think about it uh totp is time-based mm-hmm. right so it's basically a number times the time or whatever the function is right so right. it's um, whereas, or the private key hashed with the time or whatever. And as long as the time is all in sync, you're, you're kind of good to go. Mm-hmm. If it's host-based uh, one-time password, it will, it's basically a number that will, that is a mathematical formula that will change every time. So if you run like two in parallel, mm-hmm. the numbers are going to get out of kilter. Right. Right. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Oh right, and and so that that explains why one password will not even accept an HOTP uh, uh, token. It'll only accept TOTP because, of course, if it accepted yep. HOTP, yeah, okay, great. Yep. All right, all set. So yeah, it's great. I recommend it if you're using a password manager and it supports one-time passwords. You should use that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Nice. The show brought to you by S Bars and uh, One Password. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. Well, speaking of the show tape, what do, what do we have this week? Oh, yeah. We're going to be talking about uh, something new this time. We're going to talk about pregnancy tests. Um, oh. And then we're going to talk about uh, eating tests and uh, teamwork tests. It was my earnest hope, Dave, that uh, I wouldn't have to worry about pregnancy tests for the rest of my life. Yep. <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> was, yeah, you're kind of done. I'm um, kind of done. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, and and you you won't have to worry about this, but I'd love your take on this. Okay. Um, 
uh, as as I'm sure you and I use pregnancy tests all the time. So we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, and and so uh, to get uh, uh, to learn about the impact mapping and all that stuff, where where should we be sending people? Oh, please uh, go visit uh, dgshow.org. So that's D as in Dave, G as in Gunner Show. Dot org. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then the cutting room floor, we got we got some good stuff and we got some bad stuff. So I guess let's do the bad stuff first. So we got, we got uh, a uh, uh, a dental school robot yeah. that malfunctions. Yeah, you made you made me watch this video before we started, and it's stomach churning. <laughs> it's it's so bad. So basically, yep. they, they've taken these uh, what do you call them? Let's call it a love doll. Love dolls? Yes. So they've taken yeah. a love doll and adapted it uh, for dental students so that they can practice on human-like figures when they're practicing their drilling and whatever whatever else they do. And uh, this robot, uh, <laughs> uh, this malfunctioning one, was kind of flailing aimlessly on the mm-hmm. table. It reminded me of Ripley from Alien. Like, uh, right. just kind of yeah, yeah. writhing yeah, in pain. the chest buster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, and, uh, but then there's an extended video on that, on that page where they go into the, the background on it and all the, you know, oh yeah, we had to form the, the entire mouth and the tongue using one mold. And then, uh, we can program it with different reactions. Like we can have it scream and, uh, get tired of holding its mouth open and it can yell no and choke and gag. Like that is, that's, that sounds like a very useful tool for a dental student. I'm, uh. Yeah, there's probably some adjacent market usages too. Um, <laughs> there might be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> repressive regime <laughs> training people. I don't know. Yeah, and when that dental drill started going, that was uh, too much for me. I was no, thank you. Yes. Yeah, the sound of a dental drill and a robot flopping around. But <laughs> the the whole thing that started off was the uh, there's a thing going around on Twitter of that original video of the robot flopping around, but there wasn't any sound with it. And, <laughs> and then I guess somebody did, well, in this vice article, they did some detective work to figure out, okay, where did this come from? And they tracked it down. Um, and it was, I guess, two people like video recording this robot and it had the sound with it. And so you could hear these, like, I don't know, young ladies or whatever. They're like giggling as it's like flopping around and stuff. And it's like, Okay, that's not as bad as not with the sound on. And then one of the people in the video asked the robot, are you okay? And then the robot, while it's flopping around, said no. And (laughs) that instantly made it like I'd rather have it with the sound off. (laughs) Yeah. But everybody, go ahead, check that out. It's um, um, right before you go to bed. uh, You'll love it. but the good news, though, is that we got some haircut styles to choose from. So, w- which one did you pick? Oh, these are yeah, these are pretty sweet. Um, I liked uh, I liked so it's a whole selection of kind of barbershop hairstyle like uh, choices, like catalogs, like the posters mm-hmm. you put up in a barbershop. And um, I the ones I enjoyed the most were from the '70s, where everybody looked like kind of a well-coiffed cast member from Planet of the Apes. Like there's a lot of hair, just mm-hmm. a lot of hair going on. Although uh, I think the uh, uh, the college crew was my favorite from the fifties. It's kind of uh it's kind of an early ringworm situation with the like full shave up to the crown and then uh, kind of mm-hmm. super short there. That was, I like that one very much. How about you? 
I, I currently have the college contour. <laughs> so it's it's it's. I think it's a cross between the the college contour and mm. the executive contour. It tells you that I have a haircut from the fifties, and men's hairstyles don't change that much, or I've fallen out of the time. So yeah. I don't know. It is true. It is amazing to see uh, the journey that women's hairstyling has been on over the last several decades. Yep, and that is also covered in the uh, in the cutting room floor as well. So the the ladies that listen to the show, uh, both of you will be able to pick out <laughs> uh, your own hairstyle uh, in there too. We got some '80s hairstyles that are just uh, lovely. Nice. All right. So, cool. all right. Let's let's talk pregnancy tests. Yeah. All right. Okay. So. Typically, uh, you know, like I, I, my limited experience with pregnancy tests is that uh, you, know, you buy the pregnancy test, um, the woman will urinate on it, mm-hmm. and it's and then the there's a chemical reaction uh, from I guess the hormones or, or chemicals or something that will make a strip, a, a chemical strip, either um, you know. Uh, light up either yes or no in, mm-hmm. in with the, the print that, that comes on it. Yep. And so, you know, that's the way that people have been doing this for a long time. And, and it's even to the point now where you could buy, instead of like a full-blown pregnancy test, you could actually get these pregnancy test strips that are like 25 cents a piece, right? right. That it's, you know, it's like a litmus paper sort of like little, little piece of paper. Um, so super cheap. But you would think that it's like, why bother in the analog world when you can go purely digital, right? Right. And yeah, so um, so they have uh, Clear Blue has um, like these digital pregnancy tests, and um, this guy uh, he got one and he tore it apart, see what was inside, and it winds up that it's like a microcontroller in there in a display, and it's it's no surprise and everything, mm-hmm. but it also has that paper strip. And mm-hmm. what it does is um, you basically put the urine on the paper strip and inside of the digital pregnancy test, there's an optical sensor that will read <laughs> if there's a line there yet or not. And if it can detect a line, it, the display will light up saying uh, pregnant or not pregnant, depending upon which line you get. That's progress. That's progress, mm-hmm. man. That sounds efficient. Uh, and... Uh... Getting clear answers from a digital display—it's like, like what you're buying is a lot of authority on how that yes. test strip is, yeah. uh, how that test strip is read. Yeah, very, very binary. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, it, yeah. So this is—they um, say it's more accurate um, and than uh, a regular pregnancy test. But you know, you're going from a, basically a 25 cent strip to the whole microcontroller and everything around it, which takes it up to 12 bucks a piece. Yeah, and. But they they actually did. I guess they heard back from the um, Clear Blue people saying that well, the reason why we did this is that they want to, um, you know, the the strips are hard to read, you know, the lines and everything. And this is a much more definitive way that you know you the instead of looking for lines, you're actually reading on a dis- display of words that, yeah. that tell you. Yeah. Okay. Sure. For twelve bucks. Whatever. Triumph of capitalism. That's a triumph of capitalism right there. Yeah, and think about the e-waste too, right? Where this is a, a yeah. one-time use thing as opposed to a, you know, like you could easily, in theory, you know, pull the paper out and put a new new strip in and yeah. let it read it. But yeah. 
Yeah. So like how often would you want to buy a reusable pregnancy test? Like, you know, would you have it in the garage, you know, next, you know, in the toolbox next to the stud finder? And, uh... <laughs> right. Well, and also if it was, if it was reusable or refillable, uh, that would kind of remove the mystique, right? Like I, I presume there's a whole, uh, you know, Elizabeth Holmes kind of lab going on inside the, uh, inside that clear blue strip. Right. But if I had to put the pregnancy strip in, then kind of jigs up. Right. Yeah, it's a little anticlimactic. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, good for them for uh, scamming, convincing folks yeah. that it's worth spending $12 if you're, well, I guess helpful if you're colorblind. I mean, who knows? Mm, I don't know about that even. It's it's a <laughs> line that it's like, if I don't know. You could at least even mail it in to somebody and they could read it to you. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Or even call your partner into the room and have them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. I need a. Let's talk about a. I need a new device. Let's like give me. Okay. A, give me a new one. All right. All right. So so no no dental robots. Uh, no pregnancy tests. Okay. How about with all your um, sheltering in place or how is your diet? Are are you eating more or less than uh, before? Or. I. I uh, Eating, I would say probably a little bit more. I wouldn't. I'm not. I'm not proud of my eating habits. I'll put it that way. Yeah. 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 I'm probably eating a little bit worse, but I'm also not eating out as much because I'm not traveling. So it's like maybe a net positive, or at least I'll think that. So mm -hmm. it's okay. Yeah. But um, yeah. So there's there's a new thing out uh, that is uh, that uh, some researchers are working on. It's it's called uh, neck sense mm, okay okay yeah so you get this device it's i don't know about the size of uh uh i don't know like like half of a deck of playing cards or whatever okay. or, or how about this like you know you know how like people get that you're under house arrest then you got to wear that ankle bracelet yeah, with the tracker on it sure yeah yeah so imagine that but you wear it around your neck <laughs> Okay. okay. So you got that. And then it has, whole, it's loaded with sensors, right? So it has a light sensor that can tell whether your mouth is moving up or down. Mm -hmm. It also has a, uh, a, uh, uh, a, like a motion sensor that can tell whether you're leaning forward or backwards. Like if you're leaning back to take a drink or something like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it, it could keep track of, of your, uh, chewing throughout the day. It, it doesn't, yeah, you know, the downside though is that it doesn't have, uh, it can't tell whether you're eating like celery or pizza, um, but um, but it's fashionable, I guess. In a, <laughs> I, I don't know, uh, maybe it's fashionable. Maybe put that on your dental robot. Um, I don't know. What uh, what are the what are the applications of this thing? Because like you say, it can't actually tell what you're what you're eating, which seems like it matters in this case. Um, is there like, are you, uh, are you like metered? Like you're allowed to chew 500 times during the day or something like that? Or otherwise they, you get a shock in the collar or something like that. Like what's the, what is it? What Maybe problem is this solving for, exactly? Or for the, the people that, you know, you don't like the parents that, that have the kids that don't chew their food enough, you know, that, oh, yeah. um, maybe that's it, you know, and then, then give you a shock. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's, um. But anyhow, it's like if you take a look at the web page, it's it has some like videos there, but it also has um, 
like all this stuff that the guy's wearing in addition to this like bojack for your neck um <laughs> it's like it it has this side band thing that looks like a like a gun holster like in the cop shows you know uh-huh. yeah um yeah i fashionable it's great that's great uh it's creepy i you know i can imagine student dentists using it maybe Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it can alert you when you're. Uh, maybe they could use it for scoring. So you put it on the robot. Uh, you put it on the robot dental patient, and then uh, whenever they start flailing around, you could you could use that device to record it. <laughs> that sounds very helpful for someone who yeah. isn't me. Yeah. Yeah, or if it, if you're a terrible dentist and it can't chew anymore. Oh yeah. Um, there you go. Yeah. Could be. All right. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll we'll keep thinking about it. We'll just just put a pin in that, and we'll we'll keep an eye on the technology. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So the the thing I wanted to land the plane on with is there was um, let's talk about teamwork. Okay. So you know when um, you know we, we talk a lot about email hygiene and meeting hygiene and stuff like that. Um, do you run into situations, especially at Red Hat, where people feel like they have to be included in every meeting or, you know, it's like, like, and we've talked about this in the past too, that it's like sometimes like a, uh, an informational meeting turns into a brainstorming meeting by accident mm-hmm. and, and things like that. But have you ever run into that from like a teamwork standpoint that, that people don't, um, you know, like they got to feel like, they, they got to be included all the time. And if, if they're not, they feel like they're left out or excluded. Oh yeah. I mean, six to eight times a day that happens, right? Yeah. 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 I've got my own theories about that, but I'm curious what the, what, what does the research tell us? Well, I mean, the research says it, it is. And, and so what they talk about is right sizing the meetings mm-hmm. of, you know, so, um, and especially now, you know, talking about COVID and, and everybody, getting burned out and everything and, and, you know, being on too many meetings and, and stuff like that. And you want to be inclusive. And I, I guess it's the balance of being inclusive, but not burning people out with too many meetings. And, and to me, it's a matter of building that trust of like, do you trust me to make this decision on behalf of the team or on, you know, and, and I think it's, I think it's important, but, you know, they, they talk about these four categories for, uh, how teamwork takes place. And so, and a lot of this, it seems obvious, but it was kind of neat that they sort of broke it into these four categories. So one of them, one type of teamwork is a handoff, right? So like one um, team completes something and then they hand it to another team uh, for, you know, uh, so like one department gives business results to finance and then finance generates the financial reports, mm-hmm. right? So it's, Completely separate handoff, sort of like a relay race, right? Yeah. Another one is uh, synchronized work. Uh, so um, like a sales team where everybody works independently, but um, the sum of everybody's work uh, determines the team's success. So it could be a bunch of sales reps. It could be the sales reps and the solutions architect and the consulting and the, you know, the, uh, the proposal people and everything. But it's like everybody is doing different things, but it's all towards the same goal. Right. And um, then there's a third type they call coordinated work, 
where, you know, the example they use is, is fighting COVID, where you have these different specialties, and then, um, but each of them provides, a, you know, a clearly defined task to achieve an outcome. Mm -hmm. So I guess, you know, this is closer to like a, like a sales team of, um, instead of it being a, a pool of account reps, like an inside sales team, this is more like the, like the, an account team of like the solutions architect, the consultant, the engineer and all that, where they're all working towards the same goal, but they could be doing different things. Mm -hmm. And then the last one, which is most difficult is interdependent work, um, which, you know, they talk about like bringing a new product to market, like which you're, you're so familiar of. And they talk about the team structure. And a lot of times this is where, you know, people are working together, but the, the roles throughout the project will change. And so, um, so as you're solving the problem, people need to adjust their roles and responsibilities on the fly uh, to be able to get through like unpredictable uh, situations. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, and yeah, that is, that is very tricky to manage. Yep. Yeah. And um, so what they talk about in this article is, you know, w one thing that you got to do is, is sort of like when you're thinking about the teamwork, break it into one of these four categories and, and say that, okay, well, you know, does the, finance team need to be in the sales department team meeting um, or do they just need to be the recipient? And, you know, it's, it's great to be inclusive and include the finance people, but are they really a part of the critical path? And in many cases, you know, how many times have people gone to meetings or been invited to meetings um, even today, just today, right? Mm -hmm. That you're sitting in the meeting and you're like, why was I even invited to this? Mm -hmm. Right. Where, you know, when I, like email people on, you know, a lot of, uh, to a lot of people, it's like, I'm always looking at the CC list to see if, you know, for every person I add to a CC, I try to like, which two people can I move to BCC and sort of like take it off their plate. And I think a lot of people, you know, there's some people that's like, they want to be copied on everything. And, and to me, it's a matter of trust, but then there are a lot of people that are just relieved that it's like, wow, I don't have to put any burn any calories thinking about this because somebody else has it and um, it's, it's all good and they just do it. Um, and, you know, the, the thing that they talk about in the article is, you know, okay, we'll decide what type of teamwork you need. And then they said that if, um, um, you know, you want to review, you know, who needs to be on the team, when they need to be there. Um, and, and, you know, if something doesn't add value, like eliminate it, like, are you having a status meeting, for everybody and when it's not needed, right? Um, where maybe an email would be fine. And the other part that they talk about is, you know, having, building the culture of explicitly giving people permission to say no to teamwork, mm -hmm. where, you know, like how many times do you get invited to be a part of a team that, and you almost feel obligated or you're going to hurt somebody's feelings if you say no. Right. Um, so, like for me, I, that's my natural tendency, and I'm, I'm I end up saying yes to more than I should, where it's like, it's less, you know, even though it's more work for me, it's you know, it's like, oh, I'll I'll just say yes to this and I'll do it instead of having run the risk of having a hard confrontation. Right, right. And they they talk too about like making sure that every person on a team has a clear valuable and needed role. Yes. All three of those things, clear, valuable and needed. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. 
Yeah, because to me, it's like you'll you'll have these teams that are just really big, and do they, does everybody need to be there? And you know, and and also, you know, whether you don't get invited to the meeting, you know, it's like okay, let it go. Maybe it's all right. You know, the world will go on, and there's no shortage of other things for you to do. And letting the other person know that it's like, hey, I'm I'm freeing your time up to work on something else, and you know, happy to read you in later. Mm-hmm. But how how do you balance it? Or you know, have you run into this a lot of, you know, like all of a sudden these ad hoc uh, teams form and and you get pulled into stuff that you don't need to be in or, or does that happen to you? Yeah. Yeah, it has. And I, you know, the way I'd been thinking about this problem is actually with a different lens. And so, yes, there's all the good kind of like team and meeting hygiene stuff you can do. But um, one thing that I've become aware of recently is the difficulty in, or the art of chartering the team Um, Mm -hmm. because it is very difficult to do any of the things that you just talked about unless the team knows exactly why it's there and exactly what is expected of it. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you do not have kind of clear boundaries for the team or clear outcomes for the team, it becomes really difficult for each person to kind of prioritize uh, and and again, do all that hygiene stuff that you just talked about. Um, And so part of that, and I think about that, and here I'm going a little far afield, but I think it's valuable because it's all part of the same kind of conversation is, um, the mode of delegation, because a team is ultimately a delegation of someone else's authority, right? It's uh, mm-hmm. a manager or an executive somewhere says, hey, we need to go figure something out. Like, let's put, let's put a team together. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really important not just to say like, hey, there needs to be a team that needs to go think about this. But what is that team's job? Does the team need to come back with a recommendation? Do they need to actually solve the problem? Do they need to uh, create a set of options that the that some executive staff is going to choose from? Um, those are all different ways. Those outcomes define different ways of working together, and and those will determine how that team is composed, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And if that's not clear, then it's going to be really difficult to kind of assemble the team and get it working in a, in a, in an efficient way, right? Like the absent, that kind of guidance of like what is expected and, or what the good outcome looks like. And absent that, it's going to be really difficult to make intelligent choices on who needs to be on the team, who's not going to be on the team, um, how information is supposed to move around, uh, things like that. So I think like drawing the circle a little bit bigger and talking about like, how did this team come into existence in the first place? And does it know what it's supposed to be doing? Um, sounds like stupid, obvious, but, uh, I think every time I've run into, uh, a team that's turned into like a four-year-old soccer ball thing, um, it just becomes like a mob. Um, it's because it has not been clearly chartered, right? Mm -hmm. It didn't Mm -hmm. actually know what it needed to do. And so it just assumes it needs to do all of it. Yeah. 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 And then I've run into that like proposal teams. Yeah. Right. Where, you know, and you know, it's the technology helps where everybody can just, you know, the, the soccer field is, is the Google doc that everybody's running around on. It's still, <laughs> you know, it, instead of everybody having their own soccer field word doc that they're emailing around with attachments, but still it's like clearly defining, like to me, I, I think it's also easier to get people to say yes, to join the team. If they clearly know what their, you know, value and need is and their expectations are for that team mm-hmm. where if somebody says hey can you join this team you know i'm sure it could create a lot of anxiety because it's like 
okay, am I just supposed to provide opinions? Am I supposed to write yeah. dissertations? And you know, what am I supposed to do on this team? Yeah. And what what is that time obligation? And if people can understand what le- what the level of effort is in the obligation, um, they could more easily say yes or no mm-hmm. based upon their availability. There, there's another aspect to this where people will tend to pile on to a team if they feel like they have to play defense. So if your assumption is that the, so maybe there's, maybe there's something that's going on and you don't particularly care what the outcome is, but you want to make sure that um, it's a, a certain rule is being followed or you want to make sure that, you know, your, your team isn't going to get sucked into this other activity or, or yeah. something like that. Like there's, there's also uh, the, defense participation, right? Where you're not there to actually contribute to the thing. You're just to, there to make sure that it doesn't go off the rails, right? right. Um, and that encourages a lot of kind of non-functioning members of the team um, and is an enormous time sink. Whereas if like, if you had clear rules about what the team was going to do and what they weren't going to do and what the constraints were, um, people would feel less obligated to kind of pile in for defensive purposes. So that's another mm-hmm. yeah. advance to it. Yeah, it's a, I guess, a psychological safety of like, it's okay, we got this. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yep. Hmm. Good point. People, man, what are you going to do? Yes, yes. And what we all need to do now is uh, rewatch the the dental videos (laughs) (laughs) Uh, before we go to bed tonight. And and so... um, before people go to bed, what, what website should they check out? Uh, they need to go to uh, the your, your favorite location for uh, dental uh, robot horror fuel, uh, which is uh, dgshow.org. Uh, that's D as in Dave, G as in Gunner, show.org. All right. Well, great. Well, thanks, Gunner. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thanks, everyone.